in the middle of a series called You Asked For It. Turn to your neighbor and say, you asked for it. And if you haven't been here and you just heard me do a disclaimer about talking about a pretty heavy subject, welcome. It's great to have you. Uh, we're going to have fun today because uh, I brought the big hammer today. <laughs> and uh, so, no, we'll see what happens. Uh, but, uh, but basically, what we, what we looked at and what we talked about was uh, if people are talking about these major topics in, in the community or in the foyer, that we need to be talking about them from stage. We shouldn't be skirting around the big issues, issues that are going on in the world today. We should be talking about them. Christians should be informed and be able to live in a world that's not Christian, right? But to do, to do it in the way that God would see fit. So anyway, we started this a couple weeks ago. Uh, the first week we talked about marriage, divorce, and remarriage. And if you're in any one of those situations, if you're married or you're divorced or you're remarrying or you're remarried, I, I recommend you go back and you listen to it because it's really good to hear what God's word says about those situations. All right. Uh, last week, though, we talked about obeying the government and mandatory vaccines. And uh, it, it was, I thought it was great, but I was the guy up here talking. So, yeah, you know, toot my own horn a little bit. No, I, I did think it was good. And I thought, it was well received and really we were able to look at what the word says not what I said um, I just I'm just the delivery service uh, but uh, but it, it the Bible you go wait the Bible talks about mandatory vaccines no it does not um, but it does talk about the choices that we make and when we have religious convictions about different things and we talked about making choices and there's great scripture in there uh, that helped support um, However, uh, that whole topic. So I, can't, I don't have time to go over it all. It took me all week last week to do it, and I, I really want to get into what I have for today. Um, so anyway, if you're wondering about those things, what the Bible really says about obeying the government and about the vaccines, then, then listen to that. Uh, I, really did, I really worked hard to try to bring you the words point of view on those things. So um, anyway... Today we're going to dive into a really strong topic, and I just want to say again, if you have your children in here, and, uh, and I would recommend you take them out, if you don't at this point, it's your fault, not my fault, okay? Like, you are now the owner of this decision, not me. Um, it's, it, again, nothing's going to be too out of control, but we're going to talk about the real thing, okay? And so, uh, so anyway, before I get into the, t into the content, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for every person that's here. God, I just pray that as we uh, navigate some strong scripture that you will soften our hearts. God, that you'll give us ears that will hear what your word has to say. Not what I have to say, but what your word has to say. And as tough as sometimes those things are to hear, God, I pray that we will receive those things in our heart. That we'll have hearts that want to understand what you're saying. And God, that we have minds that really want to apply it. That, that even though there are things that are going to be hard to talk about today, Lord, that you'll help us. And you'll be like a filter. And that you'll help us to filter out those things that you want out of our lives. And God, that the things that make it through the filter are just the things that you want in our lives. And so God... I pray that you'll just do this today, and you'll, it'll be a refining process for all of us today as we go through this. And God, again, like always, just let this not be about me or my opinion or anything like that. Let it all come back to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so today I want to start by looking at sexual sin more in general, and then we'll work our way into the specific. Okay, so by the end, we're going to talk about things like homosexuality, we're going to talk about adultery, we're going to talk about um, um, the transgender movement, we're going to talk about those things. And we're going to talk about how we navigate those things, all right? But, but I, I have to say something before we go any further. Look around real quick, look around, look around. 
We are in a church. We are not at a mall. We are in a church. We are not at a comedy comedy club. You are in a church. You are not at a movie theater. And since we are in church, we are looking for and trying to understand what God says about these topics. We are not looking for what the world says about these topics today. It is about what God says, period. So don't be upset. I don't want you to walk out. Sometimes the things we feel are different than the things God says. And so we have to navigate those feelings using the word. Okay? So I'm not here to offend anybody. You'll, you'll catch that drift very clearly as we go through this. But, but we're going to talk, talk about the real deal. Okay? We're going to get into it. So I would also like to say this. That more than just trying to find out what the Bible says, we need to learn how to live in a fallen world and how to love people to Jesus. Okay? So we're going to be hard-lined about what the Bible says, but we're going to be real soft with people who are living in the world. And I don't mean soft like we're going to get pushed over. I mean we're going to love those people. Okay. Let's go. So we're going to start in Corinthians. The reason we're going to start in Corinthians, really we're going to focus on Corinthians today, before I get into the, the actual scripture, is because Corinth was an epicenter for sexual immorality and sexual sin. People wonder when they read First and Second Corinthians why there's so many references to sexual immorality and all the different sexual sins. Well, that's because uh, in order for you to go into the city of Corinth back in this time when this was all written, they had a temple there to a goddess, the goddess of romance and love. And in order for you to be accepted into the city, you had to first go and, and worship at that temple. And worship by specific order was that you had to participate in an orgy with everybody who was there and a bunch of prostitutes that were there. If you didn't do that, you were not accepted in the city. Okay, so Paul went to that place and he didn't do that. That's part of why they railed against Paul. That's why there was pushback against Paul. And, and so they, this, this, these people that this letter was written to, they lived in a world of sexual sin. And we live in a world of sexual sin. We might not go to a temple and worship in orgies to a goddess, but boy, sex sure sells in our country. Sexuality has become the, the forefront of why we live. It's the driving force for a lot of things. And so we are in a similar situation as these people. So we're going to read from 1 Corinthians today. So we're going to start in verse, our chapter 6, verse 18. You might know this one. It says, flee from sexual immorality. Listen to this. All other certain sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? And then it says, you are not your own. You are not your own. Yes, I am. No, you're not. You ever fight with your kids about something? Yes, I am. No, you're not. You're not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your what? So this seems pretty clear. <laughs> the first word uh, in that scripture says flee. You've heard that word before, right? And so you don't answer, don't answer out loud, but just think about it. what does the word flee mean? The first thing that people think is run, right? But flee, the word flee does not mean run. You don't go, and let me explain. You don't go to your kids' cross-country meeting when they run by, you go flee. 
like that. You, like, you, don't, you don't watch NASCAR when they're racing and go, flee, like screaming. No, you don't do that because flee does not mean run. To flee from something, something literally means to get away from danger. Fleeing is specifically referring to, to getting away from something that is going to take you down. And so when we read a scripture, any scripture, that has the word flee in it and is referring to some situation, we need to not just like play around with it. We need to get away from the danger. Because if we don't get away, if we mess around with it, in this case, sexual immorality, it will take you down. And you go, oh, no, not me. I'm okay. I can, I'll be all right. I can mess around. No, you can't. Because God says you can't. You need to get away now. And if you don't get away, we're all going to sit back and watch as it takes you down. We'll be sad. But we'll just, I mean, we won't say this. But God could say, I, I told you so. Get away. Get away from that danger. Okay? So it, it's pretty serious. So whenever you see the word flee, you need to get, a, get away from whatever it is. So Why? Why is it a problem? And, you know, I've always heard, and I even say, because I believe it, that, that, you know, sin is a sin is a sin, right? Like, and so when we always say we, nobody's sin is different than anybody else's, you're a liar, you're a murderer, we're all sinners, you know, fall short of the glory of God, right? And so that's like the, the, what we've all been taught. But then we read a scripture like this that says, don't, don't you know that this sin is like a different kind of sin because it sins against your own body? And so naturally we go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, that, that line, you know, I read that and I go, what? You, but a lot of people read it and go, well, yeah, sex is a body thing. It has, you know, you, it, it has to do with your body, and so you're sinning against your body. But if you study it out, what it's talking about, before I go there, I think God cares more about your spiritual being than your flesh being. And I know that's weird for you to think, but I say it all the time. God, Jesus didn't die so your life would be rainbows and lollipops. He died so that you could have eternity with the Father, have connection to the Father, so the gap between you and God could be closed. So he cares more about your spiritual being than he does about your physical being. Okay, now he wants you healed, and he's the healer, and he's the provider, and all of these different things. That's all true. I'm not saying it's not. But I think when it comes down to it, this scripture is not talking about sinning against your physical body. I believe it's sinning against and, and hurting your spiritual body. So, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I've done this two services already. I'm on four hours of sleep, and I want to just go, but I don't want to miss good stuff that I feel like the Lord put on my heart. Okay, I, I think I'm, I'm in the right place. So when you think about your body, you naturally think about just you. But let's go back to the garden. When God created man, it says he created man in his image, right? But Adam by himself, it says, was incomplete. We talked about this two weeks ago. And so what completed Adam? Who completed Adam? You can say it's all right. It's not a true question. I'm not, I'm not baiting you here. It's Eve, right? And that it was Adam and Eve together as a whole that was the likeness or the image of God. Okay? So think of this. When you sin sexually, you are hurting the spiritual likeness of God that you're supposed to be. Your body, your one flesh with your spouse. And so this, now I want to just say this before I go any further, is this tends to then like people who are single, their feelings are hurt. Like, so you're saying I can't be whole, I can't be the image of God if I don't have, I had somebody ask me that one, if, if I don't 
um, have a spouse. No, no, no. Let's read this scripture. It's the same, same spot in the Bible, 1 Corinthians 6, but this is verse 16. It says two things. One, in 16 it says, Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body, for it said the two will become one flesh. So he's talking about the unity of a man and a woman becoming complete, okay? And he's using prostitute because that's how they had to worship the goddess there, right? Okay, but then he says this in verse 17, for those who are single, but whoever is united with the Lord is one with him in spirit. So you are whole, but you're made whole by the Lord. When you make Jesus Lord of your life as a single individual, you're made whole by Christ. It is only Christ who can really make you whole. But his ultimate plan is that you and your spouse would, would together be the image of God with Christ at the center of that. That's why it says a cord of three strands cannot be quickly broken, right? Because God is the completion of every individual. And then together, his ultimate plan is that we would be one likeness. So when you think about that scripture now, and you say when you commit sexual sin or sexual immorality, that it's different because it does damage to your body. It's talking about damage to the covenant that you're supposed to have. Both if you're in one right now or if you're ever going to be in one, which is God's ultimate plan for you, according to the word. You guys following me? I know. I'm, I'm like trying to, I'm getting this here. We're working our way. Okay. So um, I think as believers and unbelievers, People know that the Lord doesn't want us committing sexual sin. Like, you don't have to go to church. You don't have to be a Christ follower to know that the Bible says that you shouldn't do certain things, right? Right? And, and the problem is, though, over the last, like, 2,000 years, like, since Jesus was here, uh, we've, it's been really confusing about what is crossing the line of sexual sin and what's not. Now, rewind yourself back to, like, high school when you had your first relationship with somebody or whatever it was, and you were trying to decide how far is too far, right? <laughs> you know, like, like, can we do this or can we do this? I mean, can we go past holding hands? Should we be holding hands? Can we do other things? You remember that? You remember making a boundary and then crossing the boundary, right? You remember... <laughs> Only me? Okay. <laughs> like, like, listen, I'm right here with you. <laughs> but, uh, but I remember this. And so it's confusing. And, and the world has told us that the way to romance each other is by sexual sin. Intimacy. And you think, like, how in the world could I, you know, build a romance with somebody if, if I can't hold their hand? I, I don't know. Like, I struggled with that, too, right? I'm not saying that I'm perfect. I'm not saying I have every answer. But it's confusing. And so what we need is we need a real clear cut. This is, this is what's right. This is what's wrong. And guess what? The Bible gives us that. It does give us that. Okay, so, so what we're going to do is we're going to look in, in another part of the same chapter in Corinthians, and we're going to look at some lists of things God says, listen, these are things that, that you can't do, you shouldn't do. Okay, so hang on with me today. I only went 15 minutes over in the last service, so that's why I have parking lot full when you got here. I'll do my best to rein it in. So 1 Corinthians 6, we're going to go to verse 9. Now, I will read it all, and then we'll talk about it. It says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Say that with me. Do not be deceived. Neither, neither the, here's the list. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers 
will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, that's a heavy scripture. That's a heavy scripture. It's very clear, but it's heavy. So when we read statements in scripture that say the phrase, will not inherit the kingdom of God, we should pay attention, right? I don't know about you, but I sure would love to inherit the kingdom of God. And so, so we should be like, okay, what's it say? If this is, if this is, these are things that will create a separation between you and the Father. And so we need to know what these, these say. So we're going to break down the ones that talk specifically about sexual immorality today, and uh, we'll hit the other ones on a different day. I'll give those all to Pastor Keith when he guest speaks every, every week after this. Uh, <laughs> you good with that, Keith? Okay, perfect. Thanks. Yeah, see, so willing all the time. This is great. Um, so... These things separate us from God. Let's talk about them. And, and I'm not going to go into great length over each one, but I'm, I want to explain them to you so you understand what they're saying. The first one is sexual, being sexually immoral. And in this context, it's talking about do, doing sexual sin outside of the covenant of, of being married. So you're not married. You're a single person or you're a divorced person or whatever you are. You're not, you're not in a covenant relationship with anybody in marriage, but you are sinning. You are and, and there's a lot of people who are like, well, I'm not married, and so it's not as big of a deal. No, it's still a big deal. Remember, you can separate yourself from the Lord, which as a single person is the, the thing that makes you whole and brings you into the image of Christ. So it does matter even when you're single, even when you're not in a committed relationship. Okay, So that's what it means when it's just talking about sexual immorality in general. Okay, The next one on the list is idolaters, which is having an idol or something that you worship above God. And you go, well, how does that have to do with sexual sin? How does that have to do with, with all of this? Well, um, I, again, rewind yourself back to your younger years. Any of you uh, evangelical daters? Like anybody, any of you like date somebody who you knew wasn't saved and you're like, oh, they'll come along. It'll be okay. Like, we'll get them there. They'll come to church with me now because we're in a relationship. Uh, do you realize that when you make a choice to date somebody or marry somebody who is not saved, that you are going against God's instruction of do not be unequally yoked? And so if you do that, it means that you are putting that relationship above God, which means that relationship is an idol that you worship. And you are an idolater. Because you are willing to put something above God. And so it, it, it does relate to sexual immorality because that's a relationship that usually is linked to sexuality and, and that kind of thing. And so it is an idol. We have to be careful that we're not putting idols above God in many cases, but especially when it comes to relationship. Okay. Number three is adulterers. Now, adulterers is different than just the sexually immoral. Adultery is talking about when you are in a relationship, a, a covenant relationship with a spouse, and then you go outside of that in your sexual sin, or you sexually sin at all, you are, you are going against the one, the image of God, that you are supposed to be with you and your spouse. So that's what adultery is. And God, in the word, is really heavy-handed on adultery. We see it all over the place in the Bible. And he's so serious about it that he even gives us the line that we can't cross when we're dating. If you even look upon her with lustful eyes, you're committing adultery. Now, I know that I just said adultery has to do with a marriage relationship, but you are still in a covenant relationship with the Lord if you've made Jesus Lord of your life. 
But when it comes to adultery, adultery is, it's a serious thing. And so maybe the line that you cross, you can't cross with the person that you, you want to be with or whatever is that you shouldn't even be looking at him or her with thoughts that are inappropriate. <laughs> My name is Ross and I'm your friend. <laughs> That's a John Maxwell thing, but I'll take it today. My name is Ross and I'm your friend. Something, uh, oh, oh, whoa, I almost skipped over the fourth one which is the one that you're all here to hear today, <laughs> homosexuality. Men with men, and it can also be interpreted women with women, any same sex with same sex, is, it, it says that. It says that that's one of these sins that will separate you from God. And, and I know that's not what the world wants to hear, but that's what the Word says. Okay? Now, I also want to address something. There's an argument that where you find this statement of homosexuality in the original language in the Bible, that it's talking about an inappropriate, abusive, pedophile-type relationship where, like, an adult man is abusing and raping a young boy. Now, I want to be really clear. When you read it in the original language, where that word is listed, there are two words. One word means active participant, and one word means passive, and they're both found there, which means one is talking about somebody raping or abusing somebody else. The other word is talking about two consensual people in that connection, in that sexual sin. That's what the Bible says, okay? And I know that's hard because that's not what the world says, but we're in a church today, okay? So we got to talk about what the Bible says. We'll talk about how to live in this situation in a minute how to live through this stuff. But I got to point something out. And, and all four of those things are on the same list, by the way. They're all on the same list of things that will separate us from the Lord. But we as a Christian community have villainized homosexuality and we've brushed everything else under the rug. We have gotten on our soapbox and told homosexuals that they are so evil and they are so wrong, but we don't take two seconds to look at what's going on inside of each one of us. And so we have to, we, we better check ourselves before we wreck ourselves, right? Because you are in for a crash landing if you're not willing to look at yourself and to say, do I fall into any other category that's in that same list before I dare say anything to somebody who's on number four? Before I go too far into that part of the message. <laughs> I'm Ross. I'm your friend. It's all about verse 11. The next verse. So it says, these people will not inherit the kingdom of God. And then it says in verse 11, and that is what some of you were. But now you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord who? Amen. Jesus and the spirit of our God. See, I think the as the church, we have villainized sexual sin. I mean, we have villainized homosexuality, but all sexual sin, like it's the impardonable sin, that if it's in your life or you've ever lived through it, that you cannot be redeemed. And that's a lie from the devil. 
right? We have heard that, that having sexual sin in, in our lives in the past or currently or struggling, that there's no hope. But verse 7 says that all people can be redeemed. Everybody. That Jesus loves everybody, no matter what they've been through, no matter what they're in right now. And we have to start to see the world through those kind of lenses. But this is what the Word says, and we can't ignore the fact that it says that these things will separate us from, from God, right? right? So I find it interesting. This has been a fun Sunday for me, by the way. No, it has. It has been a good Sunday um, because I think we need to talk about these things. But I find it interesting that the world wants to argue with uh, Christ followers and, and say, like, it's wrong for Christ followers to support what the Bible says, right? I think that seems weird to me. Like, if you follow a faith, you follow a faith, right? And it says this, and this is what you stand for, and this is what you believe. And I, I think that's odd in the first place, but I'm not going to spend that much time talking about it. What I think is even weirder is that people come to church every day, but they don't want to believe all of it. That people come every Sunday, but they pick and choose what they want to do, and they still live in sin <laughs> as much as they want to. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. Remember? I, remember, I, I said that we're, we're looking for what the, not, we're, sorry, it's four hours of sleep. We're not looking for what the world says we should do. We're looking for what the Word says we should do, right? We all know what the world says, but we're supposed to live in the world, but not of the world. We're supposed to live different. But the thing is, as a result, instead of living differently in a way that shows people that, that they're valuable, we live in, su in such a way that we push people away from God. And, and we get so on our platform that instead of people feeling like the church is a safe place, they think it's the place of ridicule. I had said this like a number of years ago, and it's not my quote, you've heard it before, but somebody from church, I don't remember who it was, but they reposted a quote that I had said, and, and they put like Pastor Ross under it, and I didn't want to take credit because it wasn't mine. But, uh, but I had said this like years ago, I said the church is supposed to be a hospital for sinners, not a hotel for saints. It needs to be a, a hopeful place for the hurting. But we're not. We're not. Instead, we're a judgmental place. A place that people say, I would never go there. And it's not because we, we as individuals have a bad reputation, but the church will condemn me. Hmm. So anyway, the church has made some strong statements over the years. And the world does not see us as loving. And, and so, but I'm, I'm going to say a couple of heavy statements here on purpose. And remember, I'm, I'm Ross and I'm your friend. But, you know, we the church, we're really quick to point out the sin of a homosexual. But we will never be honest about our addiction to pornography. We're quick to point out their sexual sin, but not our own. Stats that I had read, you know, a couple years ago, and I just recently was at a conference where I heard them say that, that they had some stats that were higher, but I don't have that data in front of me. The stats that I had read, I think it was two years ago, said that 50% uh, of men in church on Sunday are addicted to porn in such a way that they look at it every day of the week. That 25% of men who are in church on a Sunday looked at porn before they went to church on Sunday. You know, and what happens when we say those stats is the ladies go, 
oh, I can't believe it. Did you know that 37% of church-going women look at porn every day? Like, we're so quick to point fingers at other people, but we don't want to be real and be honest about ourselves and our own sexual sin, which, by the way, separates us from God, too. I've got another heavy statement that I was going to say, and I won't say it. I was shouted it in second service, but I won't shout it because I'm tired. <laughs> Listen, we can't believe that high schoolers are, ex are experimenting with same-sex relationships, but we turn a blind eye to our daughter having sex in her bedroom while we're watching the football game on Saturday. I have had Christian men brag to me, to me, about how their teenage son had slept with so many of the teenage girls in the high school, like it was a scorecard. To me, a pastor. And they knew I was a pastor. And we want to get on a soapbox and tell somebody who's in a homosexual relationship that they're going to hell? Man. So here's the deal. <laughs> this is great. You see why I went over last service. <laughs> we cannot expect the world to live like God's word. I'm, I've said this before. I've said it, I think, every week. I think it's hilarious that people uh, who follow Jesus are surprised that people who don't follow Jesus live like they don't follow Jesus. Like, we can't be surprised by that. The world is the world. But what we can do as believers, is we can bring the word into the world. How do we fix this problem? How do we help people to find a place of hope? It's by bringing Jesus into other people's worlds. Bringing them outside the four walls of here. And yes, it's great and important that you invite non-Christians non or unbelievers to church because it's a great place for them to meet Jesus and have an experience with the Lord. But they should be meeting Jesus when they meet you. But they can't meet Jesus if you're not letting him lead fully. They can't, they can't meet Jesus when they meet you if, if you're not showing Jesus, if Jesus isn't coming out of you. You have to live by the word in order for them to see this happen. I want to just uh, tell a story of a young lady that, that uh, is anonymous. I won't obviously say anything, but I was a youth pastor in, um, in Florida for a while, and there was a young lady that went to our youth group there, and um, I didn't know this at all happened, but she had gotten into a relationship, uh, 14 years old, with the boy. And you know, she goes to youth group. I was probably partially to blame because I was young and naive and didn't think about how to communicate in, in a way that would be welcoming to questions and open like that. But um, anyway, so she has this relationship with this young guy and they're sexually active. And during the course of their relationship, the, he takes pictures of her with no clothes on and things like that. And as teenage romances do, it, it broke up, it ended. And so what did he do with those pictures? He showed the whole school. And she was so broken and so hurting. And, you know, I think of this young lady and I think, 
the number one thing we would all want for her is for her to come to church and find the loving hands of Jesus, arms of Jesus, in somebody who would care about her. This was the church that I was the youth pastor at. She was so afraid that if she came to church and said that she was sexually active, that we would condemn her, that she did not come and tell anybody. Instead, she tried to go find a place to feel loved outside of the church. And I noticed she would still come to youth group uh, off and on, and I would see her, and she started to change, and she started to change what she was wearing. And, it, and like, she went from being, you know, relatively conservative young lady to really dressing, you know, promiscuously and all this stuff. And then she started showing up with this other girl who was dressed like, just like her. And then shortly later, I see them holding hands. And it wasn't long after that she was gone, and she never came back to church. Her family did. Her family still was there. And when we would talk about her, say, you know, she just found acceptance somewhere other than the church. She was afraid. Is this the church we've become? Are these the kind of people we want to be? The kind of people that when somebody's hurting, they go, I don't want to talk to them. We've got to change the way that we interact with people. We've got to change our language. We've got to change our actions. We've got to change, we've got to change the way that we live. We can't do it by cramming Scripture down their throat that they don't believe anyway. <laughs> right? We, we can't do that. And I just have to say this. Why would somebody who's a homosexual want to come to you and learn about Jesus if they know that you have sexual sin in your life and you have Jesus and nothing has changed? What hope is there that you've got if you're still stuck right in the middle of it? They don't need that. They don't need just another thing that doesn't work. What we have to do is we have to start saying, okay, God, what do I need to change? How can I change? God, what is that filter that, that, that you need me to go through that's going to take out those things? so that I can be an example, so that I can, so that when there is the opportunity, I can say, listen, I was broken, I was messed up, I had all these things. And, and God, look at what, they can see how God has changed you, and they go, you know what, I do need that. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. But if your testimony is, I got Jesus and I'm still stuck in sexual sin, it's not one that I want to get, get connected with. So we have to. We have to say, God, what do I do? How do I change? So the talk today is not just about what the Bible says is right and wrong and all of that, as you, as you know, but it's really all about verse 11. When it comes to sexual sin, when it comes to homosexuality, when it comes to transgender stuff, and we're st I still have a few things I want to say about those things, it comes to verse 11, the verse we already read. And it says, and that is what some of you were. And then it says the word but, and I love the word but, because but changes directions. Everybody say but. but. Man, when you get to that point in the scripture, you go, man, we are all unworthy, going to hell, you know, separated from God. And then, then God says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified. Why? Not because you did something right. It's because Jesus did something right for you. All you got to do is make him Lord of your life, and he can start the change in you. Guys, you and I, we're not the judge. We are not the jury. You will not change somebody from gay to straight. 
You will not do it. But Jesus can. Because Jesus is the only one who really knows how to work the heart. And he can change a heart. He can heal your heart. And he can heal their heart. But we have to be the ones who are going to connect them to Jesus. And we can't do that by pushing them away. You can't. All right. So I have a couple things that I, uh, I want to just cover because there are cards that I got, comments. You know, hey, these are topics we want to cover. So I'm going to cover them and then I'm going to close. Um, and, but my hope and my prayer is that today with everything that I've said so far, even though I've been strong, that, that it's come at you in a, a, an avenue of love. Like, guys, I, I, am a, I am just as guilty. I was addicted to pornography for five years of my life. And it is something that I have battled and I have worked through. And by the grace of God, it's been a long, long time since I've been stuck in that. But we have to be honest about our own issues before we can be honest with people about theirs. So here's one question I had. What about living together? Is it okay? Is it a sin? I couldn't find a place in the Bible where it says you cannot live together. But here's the problem. We, the first scripture we read said flee sexual immorality. Flee, and in the Bible it says flee temptation. And if you're living with the, other, the opposite sex, if you're living with especially somebody you're already romantic or have feelings for, you will fail. That's why he says flee from it. And fleeing from it is not moving in with it, <laughs> right? If you're not married and you are becoming sexually active, you are being sexually immoral, period. And so if you do want to line your life up with Christ, then I think you should avoid it. Is it, is it a, am, am I going to come after you, you know, and say, hey, you're, you're in sexual sin? No, that's not my job. That's God's job. But if you're putting yourself in the situation, you are going to fall to it. No, not me. Okay. I can't tell you that you can't. Okay. Next card was uh, pornography and masturbation. Is there anything wrong with that? Yes. Pornography will destroy your mind. It will destroy your vision of what sex is supposed to be. And it will, it will, it, it will bring you down. And some people are like, well, I'm, I'm married and you know, my spouse wants us to watch it to like brighten up our sex life. It will put you in a dark, dark hole. It will put you into jealousy. It will, it will bring self-worth issues into your relationship between you and your spouse. Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? What I've seen in this video doesn't look like what I'm experiencing here. It will taint your mind forever. And the problem is, and, and guys, I, I looked at it in the past. It's hard to get that stuff out of your head. So you've got to stop now. You've got to stop now. And people go, well, okay, what if I don't look at pornography and, I, and I'm just masturbating? The problem is, is you will begin to fantasize and you will put porn in your mind on your own. And it is a dangerous path to walk down. So you need to stop. And this is the thing, you can't do it on your own. And it is one of the most gut-wrenching things you will ever do to admit to somebody else that you're addicted to pornography. I've been there. But you cannot do it on your own. You need people around you to help you get out of this. I have lived it. There's a story in the Bible where Moses was, um, 
Moses, there was a war going on. And remember, Moses was holding a staff above his head. And as long as the staff was above his head, the Hebrew people would win. But if he lowered the staff, he, the, they, they would start to lose. And so in his moment of weakness, he would lower the staff and his people would start to die and be defeated. And so he didn't go, I can do it alone with Christ who strengthens me. No, he had wisdom and he grabbed two people. Aaron and her, these guys that he trusted, that he knew would help hold him up and help him make it when it got hard. And he said to those guys, when my arms get tired and they start to lower, grab onto that, that staff and lift it up so that we can be victorious over this enemy. You need to be victorious over this enemy, but you need people to come alongside you to help you when you feel weak. You can do this. You can do this, but you can't do it alone. And if you lie to yourself and say you could do it alone, you will be stuck in it. I have not met a person who has overcome it on their own, ever. But I've helped walk a lot of people out. Okay, got two more. This one is just homosexuality. We'll just address it straight on. And if you're here and you're struggling with homosexual thoughts or you're actively in a homosexual relationship, I, number one, you clearly have heard me condemn all of us, right? Or convict all of us for, for living in, in sexual sin and having those things in our life. And, and this is no different. You're on the list just like every one of us. It's not God's way for you. It's not, it's, I know that's not what the world says, and I'm not trying to offend you. We love you. We want you here. But if you'll really ask Jesus, what do you want from me? I believe he'll speak to you about what his word says. There's a young man who was coming to the church, um, and he was a young man who, who felt like he was a woman, want, wanted to be called a girl, had a different name that he used, and all of that stuff. And I, I had a conversation with him, and this is what it was. And I, I've always said, when it comes to homosexuality, it's, it's a conversation. It's not, it's not like get up on your soapbox and make a stance because everybody's in that situation for a different reason. Their life story has taken them to that place like that young lady I talked about from Florida, okay? People are in that place for different reasons. And so I, I don't know why he was in that place. We didn't get to that, didn't have that opportunity, but he, he wanted to talk with me. He said, Pastor Ross, he goes, I just feel like I wanna be close to God. I mean, I've raised my hand. I've done the prayer thing. I want to be close to him. And I even read the Bible and all this stuff, but I just feel like, like there's a wall. And every time that I try to really ask God to be a part of my life, it's like I just keep running into this wall. What is it? Can you help me to get closer to God? And I said, here's the problem with, with what you're in. It's that homosexuality, is a, is, it's a lifestyle choice. You're saying God, I know what your word says, but I am not going to follow you. But I want to follow you. You see the problem there? And I, I, do I believe that somebody could, I didn't say this in the other services, but it popped into my mind. So maybe this is for you. Maybe it's for you specifically or for a family member. Do I believe that somebody could be a homosexual, come to church, make a decision for Jesus, and not be fully out of that lifestyle and be saved I'm not the judge, but I sure hope so because I was saved and I was having pornography issues. And I sure hope I would have went to heaven because I did love Jesus and I did want to be close to him. 
And so for, for, the, for anybody who's struggling with that, I'd say you start by making Jesus Lord, and then you start, I told this young man, I, and, and by the way, he wanted to be called a her, and I called him a her. Why? Because if I'm going to go, nope, I'm not doing that. I'm not calling you that because that's not how God made you. That's the moment I just built a wall and he doesn't want to hear another word out of my voice. And so we have, to, we have to love people. I just said, hey, you love Jesus. You want to follow him. Why don't you just start asking Jesus, Jesus, who am I? Who do you want me to be? I said, he's going to challenge you. I think God's going to challenge you. I said, so then it's up to you. Are you going to make the choice to follow him or are you going to make the choice to follow yourself? He looked, he looked at me. She looked at me. And, I, and I said, okay, I can do that. I said, all right, if you do that and you do follow what God says, I believe you'll get closer to him. Because it's not my job to change and rearrange his life. It's God's, right? Okay. The last one is just is gender identity. I just wanted to talk because I had a lot of people asking about that. Um, I believe that gender identity is just one of the devil's tools that he's used to help normalize homosexual behavior. He wants, God wants us separate, or God, the devil wants us separated from God. Sorry. He wants us separated from God. And so he'll use every tool that he's got. He'll do everything he can to try to nor- tell you that sin is okay, normal, and fine. When in reality, we've got to put our lives through the filter of God's word. Amen? Again, I hope that you just you receive this in love. And I'm happy to have any conversation with any one of you at any point in your life. Because we, we want to see people healed and whole and live in the life that God has for them. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Father, thank you so much today for your word. Thank you. Thank you that it is very strong and very clear. But God, sometimes we need that clarity and we need that strength to to help keep us on on the path that you want for our lives. And God, reprimand and conviction never feels good. But God, sometimes we need it. Sometimes we need to be reminded that we've got things we still need to work on. That when none of us have ever made it, that the day we make it is when we stand with you in heaven. So God, I pray that some of us will, will really search our hearts and say, okay, God, what do I need to work on? And how do I need to work on that? Who can I go to to help me work on that? And that you'll begin to speak to us. I pray that we will all pray the prayer that I told that young man. God, who do you want me to be? Who am I? And how do I get there? With everybody's eyes closed, you know, every week I give the opportunity, if, if you'd like, to, for people to make Jesus Lord of your life. So if you feel far from God right now, and this maybe this message is hitting home because you're talking about, I'm talking about um, God's plan for people's lives and his direction, that he can heal your heart, that he can take you uh, into the life that he created for you. Like if that's you and you want that, you want to make Jesus Lord and let him lead you, then today you can make a decision and you can say that you're making him Lord of your life. And you can begin walking in his direction and letting him lead you. And you can just see where he takes you. So if that's you, with everybody's eyes closed in here, you want to make Jesus Lord of your life. You want to know that you're going to heaven, but you want to know that your purpose here is just beginning going in his direction. Just lift your hand up. Is there anybody that knows they want to do that? Awesome. I see those hands. I see it. Hands. Awesome. 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 All right, you can all put your hands down. I just want to say this, that... It doesn't matter that I saw your hand. It matters that God knows your life, your heart. He knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what you've been through. And he's not brushing it under the table. 
He's saying, I love you right now, no matter what, and I've got a plan for you. So we're going to pray a prayer. And if you believe in your heart that God is going to do these things, that he, you, you, know, you can know you're going to heaven, but you can know that he's leading you in this life, we're going to say a prayer where you declare that he's Lord of your life, and you can start moving in God's direction today, right now. So let's all as a church family pray together. Say this. Say, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross, defeat the grave, and to rise again so that I could be saved. I was a sinner, and I've needed forgiveness. Today I repent for all the things that have separated us. Today I choose to make Jesus Lord of my life. I don't want to live my way anymore. I want to live your way. So lead me into the life you created for me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Awesome. If this message touched you in any way and you'd like to talk to someone at the church, you can reach us online at rlcbr.org. Search for us on Facebook. And if you're in the Big Rapids area, visit us on Sunday morning at our location in Big Rapids or the church right across the street from Menards.